is here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, Very busy, first of all, tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll be on the Jesse Waters Show. Sunday, 9 a.m., I will be on with uh, Fox and Friends Sunday. And, of course, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I'll be doing my own show. I'm in great demand. How can I help that, Mr. Producer? I can't help it. Truthfully, I'm on a mission. I want to push back. I want to fight the hell as hard as I can against Biden and this administration and tyranny. That's the truth. Now, every time I come on here, it seems like I say, Biden is the only president who would do this or that. Biden is not just... The dunce of all dunces. He is an evil man. He's always been an evil man. What he pulled on Bob Bork, what he pulled on Clarence Thomas and other people, what he pulled on Tara Reid. He would do anything for power and attention. Lied about his education status. Plagiarized on a law school test. Was a segregationist before he was an integrationist. This is a sick man. And he's been sick for a long time beyond the unfortunate dementia. But I want to talk about what he's done now. Ladies and gentlemen, the the monoclonal antibodies that are being used by Governor DeSantis, Governor Abbott, particularly DeSantis, but a handful of red southern or southwest states, is enormously effective in treating the coronavirus. So once somebody gets the coronavirus, it's enormously effective in treating them. Now the way you distribute this drug is by need, not by equity. By need, not by equity. You see, this term equity is used by tyrants, 
Marxist, fascist, totalitarians of all stripes, all the time, in order to advance what is an autocratic agenda. Joe Biden is that man, as I've said over and over and over again, because he is. And I read you a piece from National Review, of all places, Isaac Shore. And he points out White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is using a misleading argument about COVID-19 vaccination rates in Florida and Texas to justify the Biden administration's decision to curb the supply of monoclonal antibodies, an effective treatment option for COVID-19 being distributed to these states. Now, what he's done is all of a sudden, without even communicating with these governors, he's cut the amount of, mono, of monoclonal antibodies going to Florida by more than half. By more than half. The federal government has only recently decided to take over the distribution of antibody treatments, which Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was an early proponent of. Abruptly, the Federal Department of Health and Human Services announced it would be cutting the supply provided to Florida. The administration did not provide any indication of any upcoming limitation to supply during communications between the state and department the day prior, according to DeSantis' press secretary, Christina Pushow. Now think about that. Think about that. Think about a president of the United States who says he's a uniter. You're not Republicans and Democrats. This is a virus. But obviously, this is a vile, appalling, unconscionable political decision. And I'm sure Philip Bump at the Washington Post will be very concerned about this. I'm sure all the Jeremy's in the media are going to be very concerned about this. I'm sure the Holocaust denying, the Stalin supporting, the Castro supporting, actually the Third Reich supporting New York Times is going to be very upset about this. I'm sure the Russia collusion pushing Washington compost It's going to have a fit. It'll be on their front page. How can you make political decisions that will affect the lives of individuals in such a horrific way? You think I'm wrong? Think they'll cover it big time? How about the Constipated News Network? How about MSLSD? The decision to begin rationing doses marks a departure from the policy articulated by the administration earlier this month, because it's political. On September 8, Dr. John Redd, Chief Medical Officer for HHS's Emergency Preparedness and Response Office, insisted that, quote, we have not transitioned back to an allocation process, unquote. And this, of course, is the problem with big centralized government in the hands of diabolical political hacks. Pasaki defended the reversal today by arguing that it's the administration's job to provide for an equitable distribution of the treatments among the states. It's not about equity. It's about need. She also erroneously cited low vaccination rates in Florida and Texas as the reason for a recent surge in cases in those states. Now listen carefully to this, because you've been fed a sandwich full of, uh, of chips. Let me put it that way. Today, she asserted that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. Yes, they are. The Trump administration was well aware of this. DeSantis was well aware of this. 
So she went on. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated so they don't get COVID to begin with. But over the last month, given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the lowered number of vaccination rates in some of these states like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across state and across the country. I think our role as the government overseeing the entire country, she said, is to be equitable in how we distribute We're not going to give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma. Now, according to the New York Times, of all sources, the state of Florida ranks 18th among the states in terms of the proportion of its adult population inoculated with at least one dose of the vaccine. 18th. That means there's 32 states and the District of Columbia that are behind Florida. It has a higher full vaccination rate than Illinois and Michigan. Those are two Democrat states. Hello, it has a higher full vaccination rate, in other words, two shots with the two vaccines, one shot with the one vaccine, than Illinois and Michigan. Texas ranks 25th in the first category, ahead of Nevada and North Carolina. In the second. So Nevada and North Carolina are also run by Democrats. Neither President Biden nor Pasaki have been critical of Illinois, Michigan, Nevada, and North Carolina, or their Democratic governors for, quote, lowered vaccination rates. On the other hand, DeSantis and Texas Governor Greg Abbott have sparred with the president on a number of issues, but especially in the subject of COVID and how best to balance the public health challenge it represents with other priorities. Let me make this as clear as I know how. I don't know if a single governor in this state is anti-vax. As I've said over and over again, you can be pro-vaccine and anti-tyranny. The Republican governors, most of them, with the exception of the governor of Massachusetts and Maryland, I guess, are anti-tyranny. Pro-vaccine, anti-tyranny. And Florida is a massive state, Texas is a massive state, and they're actually doing very, very well in fighting this virus. It's also notable, National Review, that while the vaccines have proven resilient in preventing hospitalization and death amidst the Delta variant outbreak, breakthrough cases have been far more common since it supplanted the original viral strain as the most common in the U.S. At a press conference... Yesterday, DeSantis noted that at Broward County site where antibody doses are being distributed, 52% of the patients and a whopping 69% of the patients over the age of 60 have been vaccinated. I think that the message is you do need to have treatment as an important component when you're dealing with COVID, said DeSantis. You know, DeSantis makes more sense than any of them. Than any of them. Biden has angrily implored GOP governors to at least get out of the way of the people who are trying to do the right thing. As recently as this week, DeSantis told political reporter Mark Caputo that I think the data is very clear on the vaccinations. You must, you're much less likely to be hospitalized or die if you're vaccinated. If you look, I think the hospitalizations skew four to one in favor of people who are unvaccinated, 
which really is understanding the difference because most people are vaccinated. DeSantis has never been anti-vax. As a matter of fact, he tried to get as many vaccines as he could when these vaccines came out to get him into the nursing homes, the senior uh, facilities, to get him to the uh, health care workers as fast as he could. He's never been anti-vax. He's anti these mandates. He's anti the iron fist of the central government. He understands tyranny. And he understands that Joe Biden is the face of tyranny. Florida's number 18 out of 50 states in terms of the proportion of the adult population inoculated. But DeSantis has been on top of the vaccinations and he's been on top of these antibodies. And now Biden's yanking them from Florida over 50%. It's not about equity. It's about need. It's about need. And certain states in this country have a disproportionate number of seniors, people 65 and older, than other states. Florida also has an enormously diverse population. Many of the people illegally crossing the border are going to Florida. And they're also staying in Texas. And these governors are having to deal with that. So I just want you to understand and pass the word to everybody who will listen and everyone you know. That Joe Biden is telling a percentage of this population, drop dead. Drop dead. That's the message from Joe Biden. Politics first, party first, power first. Otherwise, drop dead. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks, that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Biden in particular is targeting southern states, Republican southern states, at least largely Republican. And Christina Poshow, the press secretary to DeSantis, said the supply of monoclonal antibody treatment to Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, and other southern states restricted by Biden with no real explanation besides equity. She asked, how is it equitable? to only send treatment for half of the Floridians who need it. And no state sites in Alabama. No state sites in Alabama. If they will not help, if those governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Remember when Biden vowed that? I told you this is a vindictive, stupid, diabolical man. He's the worst. 
He's the closest thing we've had to a dictator in modern times. There's no question about that. He's been lying about Florida and Texas from day one. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? Because he lost them both in the last election. And because he's trying to create a narrative and to position DeSantis and Abbott. And why else? I talked about this at length yesterday. Because more than a quarter of a million people, as the Free Beacon reported, have died as a result of this virus or a variant during the Biden presidency. And during the Biden campaign, they blamed Donald Trump, President Trump, for every death that occurred prior to the time Biden became president. It was a sickening, unconscionable, appalling attack, supported, expanded, regurgitated by the propaganda organizations, a.k.a. big media. But Biden wants to be able to say, look, I've used OSHA to mandate vaccines. It's the unvaccinated. It's these Republican governors. Don't look at me. It's not me. It's them. Biden is a failure. Every damn thing he touches turns to you-know-what. Everything. And the list is a long one, and it's growing. But now the lives of Americans are at stake because of this man's obsession with his own power and the power of his party. His imbecility. And his evil, well, his evilness. This is who he is. This is who he's always been. He's always been this way. And so people keep suing. They keep hoping for the best. They keep hoping we'll find judges at the district court and the appellate court, maybe even justices on the Supreme Court. It will help straighten the ship of the nation. But we get very little help from the courts these days. You've got a a relatively weak, not particularly smart Chief Justice on the Supreme Court. He's no Rehnquist. He's no Scalia. He's no Clarence Thomas. He's no Sam Alito. I remember this jerk. That's right, I said it. When he served in the Reagan administration. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Well, you know, Democrat candidate, candidates like Terry McAuliffe and Newsom, that clown in California, they want to keep running against Trump. Well, why aren't our candidates running against Biden, Mr. Producer? Why don't they paint their opponents with Biden's record and Biden's agenda and Biden's policies? I don't get it. In Virginia, Yunkin should do that. I'm going to vote for Yunkin. I'm going to vote for every Republican on that ticket because the Democrats are destroying Virginia. They want to turn every state into California. Whether Mr. Yunkin wants to come on this program or not, I'm going to vote for him. And I hope everybody in Virginia does. 
But McAuliffe keeps bringing up Trump. And of course, we all know, I adore President Trump. But there's no reason that Youngkin can't paint Terry McAuliffe as Biden. Biden's polls are, are down into the toilet. So hammer him. Now, one of the things McAuliffe does, and he did in this debate with Yunkin, they're running, obviously, for governor of Virginia, is he lies. Because they have to lie. He says critical race theory is not being taught in public schools. So all you parents and taxpayers out there who know that critical race theory is being taught, who are speaking at these school board meetings, pushing back at these school board meetings, Terry McAuliffe says, what's the big deal? It's not being taught. Terry McAuliffe is what you find on the bottom of your shoe sometimes. You understand what I'm saying, Mr. Bidusa? That's what he is to the body politic in the nation and in Virginia. He was the bagman for the Clintons. He's been involved in many shady business deals. Virginia is a very, very old state. And never once has a governor who has served one term, you only get one term in Virginia, sought to run for a second term. What he did is, he was governor for one term, barely one. Then we have uh, this, this blackface KKK governor who denies he was in blackface or wearing a KKK robe after he apologized for it. We're surrounded by these sleazeballs. It's unbelievable. And so McCullough says, no, 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 no. It doesn't say I can't run again. I can't have two consecutive terms. So what he does is he runs for another term. To my knowledge, the first one to do that. And he beats two African-Americans, one of whom is female. Maybe both of them were while talking about, you know, we need to have diversity here. We need to have diversity. Except when it comes to wealthy, slimeball, white liberals. They don't care about diversity, really. Certainly not in their lives. Certainly not in their lives. So critical race theory, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who've seen it and heard it with your own two eyes and your own two ears, watching when your kids were stuck at home having to learn on their laptops and computers, viral educate, what you saw and heard didn't exist. The fact that your school boards are spending hundreds of millions of dollars collectively to advance critical race theory, they just pretend it doesn't exist. It's just like they pretend that Larry Elder is a white supremacist. It's time to crush these bastards, ladies and gentlemen. And the way you do it in Virginia is to make sure enough people vote. Voting has started in Virginia. You believe that? <laughs> Mr. Perdue, it's September. The election's the first Tuesday in November. Oh, this has gotten so pathetic. And by the way, does anybody know what today is? It's Constitution Day. September 17th. It's Constitution Day. I thought you'd want to know. That's a big deal, is it not? And as a side issue, I want to thank what is now the 965,000 of you, or about one week from one million, 
who have acquired copies of American Marxism, either the hardcover or ebook or audio. We're just shy of the army of one million that you and I together are building because we choose liberty over tyranny and we're going to push back. Just shy of one million. Have you seen all the write-ups on this, Mr. Producer? Tons, right? Nowhere. Absolute silence. But it doesn't matter. They can pretend all they want. I have people, and Rich, Mr. Producer knows this better than anybody. People are pushing more and more books out come October, November. They, publishers want to get them out for the holidays. They think that's the big sale period. It's not. That's a lot of static. There's a lot of traffic with books at that point. I have authors and publicists contacting me to put their people on my TV and radio shows who still haven't even acknowledged the existence of the book American Marxism. Why would I put them on, Mr. Purdue? I don't even understand. What's the point? What's the point? Ain't happening. It's not going to happen. No, and it shouldn't happen, in my humble opinion. All right, let's keep moving. General Milley has his defenders out there. Oh, they've got it all ready. And this hearing that's going to take place September 28th, everybody wait with bated breath. Now, what's going to happen on September 28th at that hearing? The Democrats are going to run interference. They're going to gavel down Republicans. They're going to talk about Trump and Trump and Trump and Trump. They're not going to talk about this coup attempt at all. We even have people who get leaks from Milley or or his staff. They call them reporters, contributors, whomever they are. They've been very, very passive in their criticism of what is an outrageous act, if true. If true. And General Milley has said that, hey, look, what I did is perfectly fine. What's the problem here? So he's learned a lot. From Obama and Biden and Pelosi, his friends. So the Associated Press actually interviewed him. Millie, calls to China were perfectly within the scope of my job. And he's in Athens, Greece for some reason. So this is the Associated Press. Ready? The top U.S. military officer said Friday that calls he made to his Chinese counterpart in the final stormy months of President Trump's presidency. You see how the AP just can't report a story? We're, quote, perfectly within the duties and responsibilities, unquote, of his job. We're going to look at that in a minute. Millie said such calls are routine, and we're done to reassure both allies and adversaries in this case in order to ensure strategic stability. Strategic stability for what, Millie? Why did we need strategic stability? I think it's best that I reserve my comments on the record until I do that in front of the lawmakers who have the lawful responsibility to oversee the military, Milley said. I'll go into any level of detail Congress wants to go into in a couple of weeks. Well, he's a tough guy, isn't he? He's a very stupid guy to be in a position he's in. And now I have in front of me, ladies and gentlemen, and we touched on it yesterday, but it's relevant, 10 United States Code, Section 163. 
communication, the role of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, communications through chairman of JCS, assignment of duties, subject to the limitations, Section 152C of this title, the president may, one, direct that communications between the president or the secretary of defense and the commanders of the unified and specified combat commands be transmitted through the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So it's not even compelled if the president wants to. Two, assign duties to the chairman to assist the president and the secretary of defense in performing their command function. B, oversight by chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. One, the secretary of defense may assign to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff responsibility for overseeing the activities of the combat commands. Such assignment by the secretary to the chairman does not confer any command authority on the chairman and does not alter the responsibility of the commanders of the combatant commands. Period. So unless he got permission from the Secretary of Defense or the President, he can't do it. And I heard one of his general friends on TV say, hey, look, he got Esper, the, the uh, former Secretary of Defense, to apparently approve one of his calls or was aware of them. Esper was not Secretary of Defense during the second call on January 8th. Christopher Miller was. Christopher Miller. I hope you listen to my show Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I have the chief of staff to the last Secretary of Defense, and you really want to hear what he has to say. He had no permission to make that second phone call. Moreover, apparently the only person who was cut out of the loop was the President of the United States. And if he was cut out of the loop, then Mr. Esper in the first call... He needs to be investigated. So just so you know, he has no command authority whatsoever. So how can he call on that second call, January 8th, the communist bastard who runs the Chinese military, who apparently is very aggressive in his verbal attacks on the United States, and tell him, that he will give them a heads up if our military attacks. Essentially, that's what he said. According to Woodward and Costa, who never lie. I'll get to them in a minute. Subject to the authority, direction, and control of the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs serves as the spokesman for the commanders of the combatant commands, especially in the operational requirements of their commands. So he's a facilitator. He has no direct role. He can confer with and obtain information from the commanders of the combat commands with respect to the requirements of their commands, evaluate and integrate such information, advise and make recommendations to the Secretary of Defense with respect to the requirements of the combatant commands. Who does the Secretary of Defense report to, ladies and gentlemen? The President. It is his duty as a Cabinet Secretary to inform the President of the United States of every single major policy decision. Every single one. And if Esper failed to do so, he needs to be investigated. So finally, the Democrats are going to throw everything they can in front of this. They're probably conferring with Milley and his staff now. The Democrats always do this, but why will they do it especially now? 
because of the central role Nancy Pelosi played. The central role Nancy Pelosi played in a conversation she had with Millie. The nut job who is Nancy Pelosi accused the president of being crazy. He's always been crazy. He's crazy. He's always been crazy. That's Nancy Pelosi. What are you going to do about the nukes, General? What are you going to do about the nukes? He reportedly said, I agree with you on everything. The general has no role in combat decisions. None other than to give advice. And so he subsequently has a meeting with his subordinates to go over the, the nuclear processes if we're going to use nuclear weapons. And of course, there's no basis, there's no pretext for this. None. Except Nancy Pelosi. Again, you're going to want to listen to the Sunday show because the former chief of staff to the former and the last secretary of defense has some very fascinating information about this. And so Millie did that. Now he said, well, that's routine. We do it all the time. No, it's not routine to do it after you have a conversation with Pelosi. So Pelosi will do everything she can to cover this up. Everything. And the media are already out there promoting Millie as a hero. Here's a guy, if this is true, who conducted a policy and substantive coup and could have created a war. Now what about this book, Peril? More when I return. Hey, how'd that over horizon thing work, Mr. Producer, with the uh, drone attack? Over the horizon. It's like over the rainbow, Wizard of Oz. Remember that? Over the rainbow. We already had this story. The New York Times had it leaked to it. You had an American aid worker out of Pasadena, California. Eight kids and another person killed by a drone attack. We were tracking them for eight hours. Over the horizon, mind you. And whacked them. Now, more than anything else, this demonstrates there is no over-the-horizon. It's over the hill for Biden. But over the horizon? No. They give these phony names to these phony strategies. Uh, Listen, we have uh, over-the-horizon here. Uh, We'll be able to track down ISIS-K, and they celebrated it. They celebrated. Our rogue general said it was a righteous attack. And, of course, Biden thought it was extraordinary. I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and I will be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. If Republicans don't run... Against Biden's 
policies and the consequences of those policies, they're out of their minds. What's going on on the southern border? Unbelievable. We're going to have the great patriot Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, on here soon enough in this hour. But out of their mind. This little town of Del Rio, which I never even heard of before. There's 11,000 illegal alien Haitians under the international bridge, it's called, with 10,000 more behind them. And they have a vaccination rate in Haiti, in Haiti, as you can imagine, of 1%. The Republicans must run against their opponents by running against Joe Biden. Let them run against Donald Trump. Let us run against Joe Biden. Let's see who the winner is. But Joe Biden is destroying America. You know where he is tonight, ladies and gentlemen? He's in Wilmington, Delaware. Probably getting some kind of an infusion. I don't know. But he's in Wilmington, Delaware. In his basement. With his tank top and his boxer shorts, probably. Eating tricks. With 2% milk. I can hear him now. Hey. Where's mommy? Anyway, um, that's the president we have. It's just incredible, folks. People coming in. The Cloward and Piven, the overwhelming our system. Those of you who have been reading, have gotten copies of American Marxism, you know how heavily I cover this in the book. They've collapsed our immigration system. They have collapsed the Border Patrol. They've collapsed ICE. This is all intentional. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens coming here from every corner of the earth, mostly the third world. We have no idea who they are. We do not have the capacity to figure out who they are. We cannot test them all. We certainly aren't vaccinating them all. While Joe Biden is attacking Republicans. The insanity of this man has become the insanity of our country. And that's the truth. That's the truth. That's what it's become. That's what it is. This is appalling. We have never seen a president conduct himself this way, or an administration conduct themselves this way. Then they lie. We have the border under control. We've got it under control. Yes, we do. What are you, a racist, a white supremacist? Well, that's what you're teaching in our schools. No, we're not teaching that in our schools. No, wait, wait. Just because you see it and you hear it doesn't mean it's true. Mr. Producer, invite that reprobate, Terry McAuliffe, to come on the program, would you? And tell them specifically. Contact, they can say... I want to discuss with him critical race theory, and I want to demonstrate to him that it is being taught in Virginia schools. Okay? Tell him to get his lazy ass off of the, off of the media that slobbers all over him, and if he wants to debate the issue of critical race theory in our schools, let's have it. And he had Joe Biden here in Virginia not long ago. So I'm telling the Yunkin campaign that doesn't want to hear from me. I'm telling you, pay attention to me. I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm doing. Paint him as Joe Biden. 
Don't be too cautious or you'll lose. I'm quite serious about it. And where's Kamala Harris? She's nowhere. Ah, she's not. Between the two of them, they have an IQ of negative 71. He's mumbling and she's cackling. Wow. But don't worry, it's historic. A mumbler and a cackler. We've never had a mumbler and a cackler before. It's just unbelievably historic. It's fantastic. We're going to spend a little bit of time listening to Clarence Thomas tonight, by the way. One of his rare public appearances, the University of Notre Dame. Man of great wisdom. I think he's now been on the court longer than anybody else. I hope he's in good health. God knows we can't afford to lose Clarence Thomas. I'm quite serious about this. I think he's one of the great justices of all time. One of the great justices of all time. I really believe that. When you read his opinions, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. They're not like John Roberts, where his opinions are so highly political. He's done grave damage, John Roberts, in my humble opinion, to the court and to the country. He's no William Rehnquist, that's for sure. How they denied those cases out of Pennsylvania, and now that's just going to create more problems. Let's begin with this. It's immigration in a way, but not exactly. There's a gentleman, and I'm going to mess up his name. He's an American citizen with, uh, uh, his ethnicity is Afghan. His name is Esanula Musin, a U.S. citizen. And this man, you're laughing, Mr. Badu, you try it. Was I right? Oh, thank you. Anyway, um, this man has a wife and a daughter left in Kabul. They had gone from the United States to attend a wedding and were intending to come back, but the country was overrun. And he wants his wife and his daughter back. Put yourself in his position. And he's being interviewed, and there he is, by Trey Yinkst of uh, Fox News. Cut six, go. More Americans left Afghanistan today, many of them dual nationals desperate to flee Taliban territory. Esanola Mousin is an American who flew halfway around the world just to make sure his family got out safely. You're in St. Louis yeah. last month, yeah. and your wife and daughter are here for a wedding. Kabul. And then the Taliban takes over, and you say to yourself, I'm going to get my family out. Simple as that, you know, because I knew uh, one way or another, especially when the explosion happened with ISIS and then uh, the consequent firing upon the protesters or whatever happened. You know, it's, I just knew I got one way or another, I got to get my family out. That's me. That's my daughter. Miriam. Hey. While two-year-old Miriam is headed to America, Insaula says more could have been done to help U.S. passport holders get safely out of Afghanistan. The Biden administration said there were contingency plans in place for the U.S. withdrawal. You experienced this firsthand. What's your reaction to that? It's not true. It's not true. I mean, this this... It could have been avoided, but it's just never, you know, it's just too much hectic, too much disorder. It's not true, you see, because Biden is a lying bag of peanuts. Newsom is a lying bag of peanuts. Terry McCall. The Democrats are serial, psychotic liars. That's what they are. 
Some Republicans too, by the way. But the Democrats, almost to a man and woman, they're serial psychotic liars, just like their friends in the press. It's true. What's going to happen to all the American citizens over there? We don't even really know the number. What's going to happen to all the American green card, green card holders? What's going to happen to the 80,000 SIV visa holders? These are patriots who fought alongside of the U.S. Armed Forces. Nothing. For the most part, nothing. That's the answer. And so now we move on. Now we move on, ladies and gentlemen. Who's going to stop what's happening on the border? Nobody. Unless a federal court steps in. Nobody. We don't have the votes in the House or the Senate. We have a rogue president who should be impeached and removed from office, but his party's going to defend him. And the majority of Republicans in the House and the Senate won't even say the word impeachment. Now, if this isn't a rogue president conducting himself often unconstitutionally and illegally, an open border intended to change the demographics of Texas in particular, Florida, they hope, Arizona, on the border as well and so forth, for permanent control, willing to destroy this country, its immigration laws, as if they don't exist. If you're not going to at least attempt to impeach somebody, Mitch McConnell, or raise the issue, begin to, to begin the debate and the pressure, you're never going to do it. So all your yammering with the marbles in your mouth and all the rest of it, do no damn good. No damn good. I'll be right back. Mark in. All right, it's a pleasure to welcome back Chip Roy, congressman from Texas. Chip Roy, uh, you in the past and now have been very vocal about what's going on on the border here, but I, I think this is a president who is intentionally trying to change the nature of the country, the demographics of the country, to empower his party, whose uh, administration has signed on to the most radical elements that don't believe the U.S. has a right to sovereignty and to a border. People are coming into this country with all kinds of diseases. The CDC just said they expect potentially measles to become a problem again as a result of people they're bringing in from Afghanistan who weren't properly vetted. Now we have 11,000 Haitians under a bridge in your state with 10,000 more behind them. What the hell's going on here? Mark, uh, good to be on the show as always. I mean, look, if you set out to harm the United States of America... I don't know how you could do a better job than the Biden administration is doing in the eight months that they've been in power. Uh, and what's amazing is, is that they've taken something and they've found a way to actually harm migrants and then harm the very people in our country that they're supposed to protect at the same time while pretending it's somehow compassionate. And we now, as you just said, we have 10 or 11,000 people in Del Rio with 10,000 on the way, Haitians. Uh, we have uh, the FAA being told not to allow drones so that we can't have news shots being uh, broadcast around so people can see it. We have 4,000 people in a holding facility in McAllen where, the, where they're still flowing through. We have an enormous number of people, 1.4 million, Mark, 1.4 million who have been apprehended. That's the entire city of Dallas. 
that have been apprehended this year. And of those, about half a million we know have been released. Several hundred thousand are known gotaways. We have at least 800,000 people in the United States because of what's been happening. And the Biden administration not only doesn't care, it's willful. It's purposeful. And they're doing it in blatant disregard of their constitutional duty to defend the United States of America. They are failing to faithfully, faithfully execute the laws of the United States. And I believe it's not only impeachable, but that now Governor Abbott and Texas ought to take this into our own hands and do what we need to do to secure the border of the United States. And I agree. And if they, government, federal government wants to go to court and block him, then let them go to the court. Let them do whatever they have to do. But we need to go on the, on the offense here and do whatever we have to do the way the left does. Look at what Biden's doing now. Have you heard from a single Democrat colleague of yours, other than a couple of them in Texas, one in particular, uh, concern about this? Not one besides Henry Cuellar. And, of course, Henry gets attacked from the left. Literally not one besides Henry Cuellar has raised raised this issue at all. And meanwhile, Mark, I mean, again, for listeners out there, and they know, educated audience, you tell them, the, the little girl that I saw pictures of when Ted Cruz and I were in Uvalde last week and we were in San Antonio and we were in Laredo, and we had an organization that provides safe houses for girls that are abused by the cartels, the pictures they showed of burns and brands and what they do to these little girls and putting them into the sex trafficking trade. And for Democrats on, in the Judiciary Committee this Monday to refer to them unbelievably as human infrastructure, the equivalent of chattel for their political benefit, for their political gain. I've never seen such cynicism in the history of our country uh, in terms of how a party blatantly, as a political matter, are using these human beings politically for their benefit and harming them, and then directly harming the American people in the form of fentanyl, narcotics that are killing our kids. 9,500 pounds of fentanyl has been apprehended in the last year. That's the same as the entire total for the last three years combined. And fentanyl, as you know, is dangerous. That's enough fentanyl to kill everybody in America. They don't care. But American people dying right here in Austin, Texas, San Antonio, uh, with a dangerous narcotics coming into our communities, all while people are being abused. Ranchers in Texas are having their ranchers overrun. Fences get cut. Livestock get released. I will say this. When Ted and I were in Laredo week before last, and we were down there with Hispanic Democrats, traditionally, who were lighting Joe Biden on fire, saying, where is Joe Biden? They get it. You know, we won Zapata. Donald Trump led us to beating Democrats in Zapata for the first time since 1920, which is a border county. And when I drove through there, they were flying a flag that said, excuse me, F Biden, uh, flying in a flag as I drove through Zapata. So uh, they get it. They're mad. And that's very, very important. But it doesn't change what's taking place. We have people pouring over the border. Now, Haitians, 1% vaccination rate. You know they've got uh, all kinds of diseases, measles, God knows what else. And you know they certainly have the coronavirus. And you know they're not going to be held in facilities long because we don't have facilities to hold them in. We have Joe Biden now bunkering down in his basement in Wilmington. We have no idea where Kamala Harris is. This, this is a spectacular abuse of authority, violation of constitutional responsibility, and we have to beg and lobby Republican leaders to even mention the impeachment word. Mitch McConnell says, well, we're, we're, we're not a majority. That's a, but you've got to make the case. You've got to build support. You've got to create pressure. And we're not doing it, are we, Chip Roy? 
We are not, Mark, at all. I will tell you that, as you know, uh, I, I joined you. You were one of the earlier first callers uh, to, to, to call for impeachment over this and the failure to you know, execute the laws at the border. Uh, I joined you in that call early in July. I will tell you we have not released it yet, but I'll just say that a number of colleagues who you would expect to be teaming up with me uh, are teaming up with uh, a letter that we're working on calling on action, specifically laying out what we believe are the areas in which the president now should be impeached, not just the border, but Afghanistan, aiding and abetting our enemies, leaving $85 billion for the Taliban, and also the executive orders last week, which were entirely lawless, unconstitutional orders for companies over 100 to have to go force vaccination. He is abusing power. He is ignoring his duty to defend the United States. He's helping our enemies. They're doing it purposeful. And now what we're seeing in Texas is absolutely shocking. And again, Texans have got to step up and secure the border. You're right. You know, Not only do they not have facilities, Mark, to put these people in Del Rio, they're actually now handing out tickets to try to figure out how to even have an order to process them because Border Patrol doesn't know what to do. They literally have 11,000 people down there. They do because not know Chip, what to do with. Because, Chip, they have overwhelmed and crushed the system. They broke the system. They said, let us defund the Border Patrol. Let us defund ICE. They weren't going to get those kind of votes. So Biden on his own with his uh, kook advisors said, let's destroy them. Let's crash them. Let's do Cloward and Piven, two Marxist professors. Let's do it. Let's overwhelm our system. And there's nothing anyone's going to do about it as long as the Democrats control the House and the Senate and so many of the courts. Chip Roy, don't leave yet. I want to carry you over the bottom of the hour if you can. We'll be right back. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. We're with uh, Congressman Chip Roy. You know, Chip, uh, you look at the border, and then now you look at the vaccinations. And then you look at the antibodies. Florida is number 18 in the number of vaccines in the state. That's significant in the country. Texas is number 25. But Biden keeps attacking Florida and Texas. These are the big Republican or mostly Republican states. He wants to turn them blue. He's thinking about re-election or the Democrat Party. And now he's done something that is unconscionable. He has decided to withhold the antibodies, particularly the governor of Florida has been using, to tremendous effect. And he's cut their amount in more than half which means they only got about 30,000 doses with about 70,000 people each week who need them. So now Joe Biden is playing with the lives of these people. He says we need to distribute them based on equity. You don't distribute medicine based on equity. You distribute it based on need. This should be another one of your elements on an impeachable offense, in my view. Go ahead. Yeah, I completely agree, Mark, uh, and, and, and would it, you know, add that for sure in terms of what the, the president did last week with this unconstitutional mandate on businesses. Uh, this is even more horrifying. Uh, and, and we had the Montgomery County judge here in Texas, which is near Houston, who posted on Facebook yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure if you saw it, where he, write, he wrote out the 2,000 Texans that were benefiting from the treatment that they had put in place to have a, a clinic or a setup there to run these monoclonal antibody treatments. 
and it was successful. And this was for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And then now you've got the Democratic leadership in Washington coming in and saying, no, 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 we're going to step in and interfere with the market and create a problem that didn't really exist. And I look, I wrote a letter to the HHS on Monday, uh, lighting them on fire about this and raising this issue up the flagpole. And then lo and behold, we get 24 hours later and say, we're going to have a briefing on Friday. Well, we had that briefing today, Mark. And I asked twice. I got cut off, and then I got back in queue, asking a second time, hey, how many uh, doses do you currently have a supply? How many can be made per month, and what's the demand? You tell me the numbers. You show me how there's some massive national shortage that you've got to interfere. And they would never answer the question, literally. He said, well, we'll just have to get back to you in the numbers. So wait, you're stepping in and rationing care, rationing what Texas can get, and you can't even tell me what the numbers are. It's political. They started off with saying seven states have 70 percent of the demand on this stuff. And get, never mind that in January it'll be 10 different states, Mark, because we know how this virus works. Mm-hmm. And yet that's what they're doing. It's political. It's purposeful. And it's people's lives at stake. And they're doing it because they don't want to talk about treatment. Not just this, but hydrochloroquine back when that was more uh, effective. Let me, let me tell you something about uh, hydrochloroquine. I've been taking that for months. I have heart disease and asthma. Hasn't harmed me in any way. So I go in to get it renewed. I can't get it renewed. It's as if I'm asking for heroin. This is a drug that since the 1940s, billions and billions of dosages have been used. And I can't get it. I've got my local giant pharmacy. No. I've got the Walgreens. No. What do you need it for? No. It's like a police state. It's unbelievable. Mark, let me me just agree with you there. Uh, My beautiful bride, Kara, whom I think you've met, Kara was uh, working uh, to get um, through the MyFreeDoctors.com, you know, that they've set up the frontline doctors, those great patriots that I know you've talked about before online uh, on air. They, uh, you know, we were able to get a prescription for ivermectin, and and she was able to get it and go to the pharmacy near where we live in Texas, not far from Dripping Springs, outside of Austin. And she sat there listening to him, and the pharmacist behind the counter was arguing with the other pharmacist, saying, "Well, we can't fill this. What is this for?" And then they interrogated my wife about mm-hmm. what's this for? Is this for COVID? My wife's response was, "Does it matter? I have a prescription from a doctor, and I want to get ivermectin." And so ultimately they filled the prescription. But this is happening all over the country. The, the pharmacists are, are blocking the doctors. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, they're, and they're, look, this is all part of this overall campaign that is both purposeful by some and hysterical by others. And it's the ones that are hysterical that are buying into the hype by the authoritarians and the tyrants in Washington and, and beyond Washington, the academic set, the, you know, the smart blue check Twitter idiots on both sides of the aisle who know what's best for all of us, by the way, Mark, and tell us how to live our lives, when we can go choose what's best for our families. Do you think I want anything to uh, befall harm to my 10-year-old or my 12-year-old son, my 10-year-old daughter? Hell no, right? I'm going to look out for them and what's best for them. I'm going to make decisions for them. But I can tell you what, a forced vaccination to a 12-year-old boy when there's myocardial research, when we know, by the way, when family members have had the virus, we know that natural immunity is stronger in Israel produces the studies and we know that as a matter of scientific fact now yes 
and our government won't produce those studies. All right, right I don't have a lot of time, so studies. Chip, I want to say this to you. Look, yeah. look, but look how he lies. Actually, 70, not 70, 76% of the people who can be vaccinated have been vaccinated. That's almost 8 out of yeah. 10. Now, hold on. Yep. There's another 24%. He says 80 million. All right, I'll give him the 80 million number, wherever that comes from. I've been saying on this broadcast now for some time, and now it's being picked up even by doctors at Johns Hopkins, but seriously, what percentage of the so-called unvaccinated have natural immunity? Right. I dare you to go on the CDC site and find that out. You can't. What percentage of those who are not vaccinated don't need to be vaccinated because they have natural immunity because they have the antibodies? How many? They won't tell us or they don't know. So obviously it's a significant percentage of that 24%. So we're really talking about, I would argue, probably the vast majority of Americans who either have natural immunity or have been vaccinated. And yet the iron fist, I'll tell you what's going on here, Chip, in part. and, And this is thanks to the Free Beacon. They pointed this out. Over a quarter of a million people have died since Joe Biden's been president from the coronavirus or the variant. And he wants to be able to say, I did everything possible. The unvaccinated did this. These Republican governors did this because he ran last year accusing Donald Trump of every single one of those deaths from the virus. While Trump at Operation Warp Speed, three vaccines coming out of it. While it's Trump that pushed for the therapeutics. And I've also said, Chip, I'd be interested in your comment on this. Where's the Operation Warp Speed on any of these variants? I heard Rand Paul picked up what I said today, too. It's true. Where are there doctors working with the pharmaceutical companies to push and find even new, uh, uh, you know, medicines and so forth? Where are I don't hear about them. Do you? Not, not a single bit. You know, and of course they spent all last year. I mean, you know, Kamala Harris famously were like, "Well, I wouldn't take the vaccine if Donald Trump is pushing it." Mm. Then they get into power. They've got people dying because of their incompetence, and they want to blame Republicans, like you said. And I'm hearing nothing about their strategy to figure out how to get not just you know, future improvements to vaccines, but also how about making sure we can get the actual uh, therapies. When I was talking to one of the manufacturers today, I called them because I want to know, do you have supply? They said, yes, we're cranking out supply. And they, I said, they said, nobody was asking for us to, to have this six months ago. They, were, they couldn't believe it. They were scratching their head. They're like, why is the government not making this uh, possible? Guess who did? Ron DeSantis. Guess who was starting to? Uh, leaders in Texas trying to get this stuff out. Now the feds step in and they want to interrupt supply because this is all about power for them. This is all about control. This is all about telling us what to do and taking away our health care freedom. We have a whole other conversation one day about health care freedom, but they're taking it away and they're screwing us every single day, empowering uh, corporate entities and government over our, our and lives. And people need to understand the more of the private health care system they nationalize, the more they'll control yep. what you have access to, doctors, technology, medicines, and all the rest. They destroy Yep. You know, these, these are wrecking balls, these policies, these people. They're wrecking balls. One more. Booster. Yep. Here we have Biden already paying for booster shots. Paying for booster shots. Here we have announcing that they want to get it out by the end of the week or next week before the FDA even comments. And now you have this advisory committee, 16 to 2 they vote with these so-called experts on it, saying we don't have enough data to support boosters. Does this not yet again demonstrate, and Fauci too, the politicization of this entire field? 
Yeah, entirely. And, and by the way, to add to it, uh, I think, was it two or three of those uh, FDA, you know, higher-ups quit? Resigning. They, they were, you know, they were, yeah, they're resigning because they're so frustrated with the politicization of all of this. And that's what's happening. And that's what Biden's doing. So, oh, I've got it. We're going to force the boosters. It's always about what they're going to force you to do. And by the way, it's all purposeful to say it's to help other people because they don't want to make it about you because then it's about freedom for you to make a decision about a mask or about a vaccine for you or your loved one. No, no. They want to make it about you must do that for the other people. Even though there's no science to back that up, we all know that you can communicate the dang virus even if you've been vaccinated. Remember, they moved the goalposts on that, right? Originally, it was all, oh, no, well, you know, it's going to protect you from being able to communicate the disease. No, then they found out that's not the case. So now they're saying, well, you've got to do it just to make sure that everybody's going to be taken care of. It's absolutely outrageous. And the booster stuff in the FDA is particularly telling that you've got experts there that are quitting over it and that they're voting against what Biden's done. He doesn't, because he here's the thing, doing. Chip, you can support vaccines as I do and oppose tyranny. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. They support tyranny and support vaccines. We support vaccines and oppose tyranny. Now, DeSantis has even pointed out, I'm pulling this up now, Broward County in Florida, the antibody doses are being, were being distributed. 52% of the patients and a whopping 69% of the patients over the yep. age of 60 had been vaccinated. Yep. So... Yes, and, and, and DeSantis has said, I recommend you get vaccinated. Yes, but it's not enough. I mean, I gotta have these anti- I've got to have these therapeutics if I want to use them. And now they're cutting them off. And, and look, and to add on top of this, you know this, my dad had polio. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I watched my dad his whole life. I mean, I'm, I'm very pro-vaccine uh, for, for when we know what it is and you make mm-hmm. a decision that's good for you and your family. But if you've got natural immunity, there's evidence that maybe you shouldn't get it, right? Or maybe you should. Well, I think so. I think you're right. And, and by, and and so by the way, the, this stuff about talking to your own doctor, you talk to your own doctor, they say, okay, let's get him hydri- hydroxychloroquine and so forth. And yeah. then the, to have a pharmacist say no? The hell is that all about? That's what's happening. Well, it's because, again, this is all about tyranny. And, and, and this is the most critical thing for all of us to understand. It's purposeful. It's happening. We're seeing it at the border on, on border security. We're seeing it on the health care issue with the vaccine mandates. They want to come in and tell you how to run your life, and we've got to stand up. This is it. This is our fight, right? Did I ever get you a copy of my book, American Marxism? Uh, You did. You did, yes. Well, read the damn thing, will you? I think you'll like it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course. I've I've, I've read every book you've written. I've just been a little busy the last few months. Well, forget it. Read it. This has to be your number one priority. I'm only kidding. Uh, Chip Roy, if people want to support you, because you're up for re-election, where do they go? Yeah, and I could use the support at the end of the third quarter, chiproy.com, chiproy.com. I could use a little plus up here at the end. It's really helpful, and I appreciate it. Mark, God bless you. Thank you for fighting the fight. We're going to take this country back, and I appreciate you very much. All right, my brother. You too. Take care of yourself. Chip, Chip and I go way back. He was chief of staff to Ted Cruz, but we go back further than that, actually. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take some calls, shall we? Yes, we shall. Let's see here. Jennifer, 
Middleburg, Virginia, the great W-M-A-L. Jennifer, how are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking my call. And your your music is fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I agree. All right, what Um, you got? I heard heard your previous uh, caller, and there was talk about pharmacists. Let me just talk without giving any information away where I work or anything like that. But your commercial big chain uh, pharmacies, their hands are tied. They are being told that they could be sued, that their license will be taken away. You know, not unlike the doctors when they were trying to. Wait a minute. So if you get a prescription from a real doctor with a license and they say, yes, that patient should have hydrochloroquine. Mm-hmm. The pharmacist is required to say no? Not the pharmacy where I work. It's a very specialized niche pharmacy. Um, we can get away, and I don't want to say we get around the FDA, but we, for example, for children, if they won't take a tablet, we can make it in a liquid form. We could do a different form that's not commercially available. We are allowed to do that. And typically during times of a pandemic or a crisis or something like this during AIDS or something, it's open game. Whatever the doctor recommends, you do it and you get it to them. But FDA approved drugs can only be made the way that they've been approved. And yes, there is a commercial, uh, um, the, um, the, the ivermectin, there is a commercial product. It's a three milligram. I'm hearing that pharmacies are not allowed to distribute that they're not unbelievable well jennifer thank you let's send jennifer a signed copy of american marxism so the federal government is getting in between you and your doctor only if you want an abortion at any time during that nine-month period particularly at the latter part right don't get between a woman and her doctor, but they're getting between women and men and their doctors all the time. You see the, the insanity of the left. You see the insanity of government. They're not looking out for the well-being of each and every human being in this country. They're not. They're ideologically driven. They are power-driven. Joe Biden doesn't know even where the bathroom is, let alone what you and I should be taking. We'll be right back. here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811. Give us a try. I'm taking some calls this hour. Now, that said, do you folks remember, those who listen regularly, do you remember when this drone strike occurred? I came on the radio immediately and said, okay, how the hell did they pull this off? We have no intel on the ground. Lamar, over the horizon. And I also said to you, And we can go back and play it, but I'm not going to play that game. I also said to you, if they hit their target, why won't they tell us 
the names of those they hit because the reports were coming out because they leaked at the top of the Pentagon, millionaires boys, and they were leaking and Kirby and so forth, and they were saying things like, uh, we had a strategic ISIS-K, uh, you know, leader or bomb maker or engineer, whatever they said. I said, all right, what's the name? Come clean. Tell us. I was extremely skeptical that this could happen so fast when we had no ground intel. Nothing. All you have are satellites. And that doesn't give you all the information you want. It can tell you about troop movements and things like that. And I said this for at least two, three, four days. What are their identities? Who are they? Maybe they hit the wrong people. I'm just instinctively cynical about this administration. Having served in government for eight years under a reputable president, Ronald Reagan. And so the question I kept asking was, who are they? Why won't they tell us? If they hit who they say they hit, or they, excuse me, if they hit who they say they meant to hit, they would be giving us names, and they would never give us names. Now, I'm not a reporter. If I'd been there, I certainly would have asked over and over again, oh, who are they? What's their identity? So they're celebrating this. Then somebody leaks something to the New York Times and says, no, we didn't hit the target. And that was a week or so ago, and I covered that. And now they finally say, what you and I instinctively knew, and the particulars are now out because they were leaked to the New York Times. And so you have to ask yourself, with Biden and Milley, where the hell's the Secretary of Defense? Is he hiding in the same basement as the Vice President? We never see the Secretary of Defense, do we, Mr. Producer? And so I was very skeptical of that to begin with because... You know, for many religions, for many religions, the way religious books are written, I'm not talking about the Bible per se, but sort of the other books are written, is because God knows that people sin. God knows that people aren't perfect. And when you read parts of the Bible, or have them preached to you, Just as if you read the Constitution, they're trying to limit evil. They're trying to promote civility, charity, so forth. So you start out as a skeptic. You start out as a skeptic. I do. When I hear without any intel other than satellites, that we hit with pinpoint precision within 24, 36 hours, the ISIS-K individuals, or their masterminds, I think they called them their masterminds. So wait a minute, that sounds, uh, throw, the, uh, throw the flag there, that sounds like bullcrap to me. And it was. It was bullcrap. Now for something completely different. Didn't you love Monty Python, Mr. Producer? Hilarious. Couldn't get away with it today. Most of the humor you can't get away with today. That's why you got, 
you know, slobs, Neanderthals like uh, Colbert and Kibble and Bits and the other jerk whose name I don't even remember. Clarence Thomas at the University of Notre Dame yesterday. Let's listen in. Cut eight. Go. And I've been on the court for 30 years. It's flawed. But, you know, I will defend it because knowing all the disagreements, it works. It work, may work sort of like a car with three wheels, but it still works. <laughs> you know, somehow you sort of hobble along and uh, you recognize its imperfection. And I think we should be careful destroying our institutions because they don't give us what we want when we want it. I think we should be really, really careful. Um, and cause I'll say what my grandfather said, after you've done that, now what? He's talking about, doesn't identify them, so I will. He's talking about the efforts to expand the court, pack the court, you know, to turn it into a Democrat Party Politburo. It's halfway there. Cut nine, go. Has there been times in your career when the legal questions you must resolve conflict with your Catholic faith? If so, how do you proceed? No, not really. I think I, if, if it did, if I think if it could something conflict that great, uh, where I fundamentally think it's wrong, I would just go and do something else. Um, the, I'm at a point, you know, I, I said that early on, and I'm, I still believe that. But um, I have lived up to my oath. Um, there are some things that conflict very strongly with my personal opinion. Uh, my policy preferences, and those were very, very hard, particularly early on. But you don't, I don't do a lot of hand-wringing in my opinions and tell people, oh, I'm really sad. That's not the role of a judge. I mean, you do your job, and you go cry alone. Um, <laughs> the, but there have been some where... <laughs> but there have been some that broke my heart. Um, and that just was really, really, really hard. More Clarence Thomas at the University of Notre Dame yesterday. Cut 10, go. What is the most... Oh, the misconception. You know, I think that they think that we make policy. I think the media makes it sound as though you are just always going right to your personal preference. So if they think you're anti-abortion or something... Personally, they think that that's the way you always will come out. They think you're for this or for that. They think you you become like a politician, and I think that's that's a problem. To the when I think you're gonna you're gonna jeopardize any faith in the legal institutions. Um, the and, and I think the media and the interest groups further that. And uh, I give you an example of. Of, of the, so for, I know there's a football game this weekend, and Nebraska is playing Oklahoma. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you all have one too, huh? <laughs> so at any rate, let's say for this weekend that you know, like if a referee makes a call that favors Notre Dame and Notre Dame wins, people would say, well, that was a fine referee. That's what you're supposed to do as a fan. But the but if the referee makes that very same call and it works against Notre Dame, oh my goodness! I mean, this guy can't even see. I mean, come on! Anybody could have seen this exact same call. That's because we're fans. We're not acting as judges. We want a particular outcome, and so we look at the outcome, and that totally colors what we think the uh, level, the quality of the refereeing was. 
So if it's for us, that was excellent refereeing. If it was against us, horrible, absolutely horrible. The guy should give it up. So the, but that's not what you can do when looking at cases. But that's precisely, read any article about sort of one of the big cases, and that's precisely what you have. It's like if the outcome is what I want it to be, excellent work. You know, another Marbury versus Madison. If it is against what you, uh, for, look, Dred Scott all over again. This is horrible. I mean, that's just the way it works. But I think that's wrong. I think if you go back and you look at some of the New York Times articles in the 30s and 40s on Supreme Court cases, the few that I've read are excellent because they summarize the case, they talk about the arguments, they summarize the holding, and then they, there may be a short paragraph on the implications. Now, put that side by side with what you would get today. So I think that that's problematic, and that, that sort of encourages these preconceptions about the court. That's all just personal preferences. And finally, cut 11. Go. What, if any, threats do you foresee to the autonomy of the judicial system in the United States over the next 10 to 20 years? Oh, I think um, one of the difficulties that you all are going to have to deal with is judges going beyond what Article 3 uh, requires and staying within the limitations on judges. There's always a temptation, I think, to go beyond. Uh, we see it with the development of substantive due process. Justice Scalia railed about it. Um, and I think that when we do that and we begin to venture into uh, political, uh, the legislative or executive branch lanes and resolving things that are better left to those branches where people actually have some input and some uh, uh, opportunity to participate in the elective electoral processes to who those leaders are. Those of us, particularly in the federal judiciary with lifetime appointments, are asking for trouble. Uh, I think a lot of the pressure uh, the, that on, on the nomination and selection process is because of that. I think the court was, was thought to be the least dangerous branch, and we may have uh, become the most dangerous. And I think that's problematic, and hence uh, the craziness during my confirmation was one of the results of that. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely about abortion, uh, a matter I had not thought deeply about at the time. But I think it, a lot of it's our own doing. And I think the threats are you, we have lost the capacity, even I think as, as leaders, to not allow others to manipulate our um, institutions when we don't get the outcomes that we like. When, for example, uh, President Roosevelt threatened to pack the court, there was enough sense of what the court meant and what separation of powers meant to criticize him. Today, you see almost no criticism or very little when you have those kinds of conversations. So I think part of it's our own, the judge's own doing by venturing in the areas we should not have ventured into. A brilliant man, tons of common sense. I agree with everything he said here. And look at the way he says it. He doesn't say it in an antagonistic way, doesn't say it 
in a way that is intended to be provocative. He just says what it is. And this latter point about Biden and the Democrat Party taking aim now at the independence of the court, that is a disaster. That is incredibly dangerous. And yet every time they don't get what they want, they say, we've got to get rid of the filibuster so we can change the court. And they always talk about modernizing, bringing it up to date, when in fact they're the throwbacks. They're the throwbacks. I'll be right back. Lovin. Let's go to Chris Canada, XM Satellite. Chris, how are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, first, I want to say that you are a intellectual treasure. And if your listeners have not recognized that or appreciate that by now, there's something seriously wrong with it. <laughs> well, you're very kind. I have a tremendous, wonderful audience. Yes, you do. And and I'd like to count myself uh, amongst Thank you. The, the group there. Um, I wanted to point out that um, the United States government purchased 500 million doses of the monoclonal uh, antibody. Um, and it's a shame that they're they're playing political games with people's lives. Um, if they would allow doctors to treat COVID instead of sending patients home to get worse and to succumb to it, um, it's possible that they could have prevented up to 85% of the deaths that have occurred. Well, here's the thing with DeSantis. He's been right about who should be vaccinated. He wants to get a vaccination to every single Floridian who wants one. He believes people should wear masks if they want to wear masks. But he believes children don't have to wear masks, and that should not be mandated by elementary school bureaucrats because he's looked at the science, and of course he's right. And early on, this monoclonal antibiotic, I'm sure I've mispronounced it, but this antibiotic, he has been using those and making them available to the state long before Biden stepped in earlier this month and took federal control over this. They took federal control over this. And now what Biden is using it is for political reasons. This is, this is a tyrant. You know, people can make fun of his, of his, his cognitive dissonance and all, or, his, or his dementia, whatever you want to call it. The fact is, he is a tyrant. Everything he does, the way he talks, the way he looks at you, this man is an absolute tyrant. I want to thank you very, very much, Chris. Don't hang up. We're going to try and send you a book to Canada if they don't intercept it. How much time do I have, Rich? Ron DeSantis at a press conference yesterday addressing what Biden is doing to the citizens of America who live in Florida. Cut 14, go. We are very, very concerned uh, with the Biden administration and the HHS's recent abrupt, sudden announcement that they are going to dramatically cut the number of monoclonal antibodies uh, that are going to be sent to the state of Florida. Just last week, on September 9th, President Joe Biden said that his administration would be increasing shipments of monoclonal antibodies in September by 50%. And yet, on September 13th, HHS announced that it was seizing control of the monoclonal antibody supply and that it would control distribution, 
And then on September 14th, the announcement was more than 50 percent of the monoclonal antibodies uh, that had been used in Florida uh, were going to be reduced. So this is a dramatic reduction. And I'd say it's doubly problematic because what, what Shane Strom and folks in Tampa General and these other hospital systems that have been doing this, they're not getting it from the state. Uh, they, they get it. It's drawn down from it had been a Marisource Virgin. So they get that. Uh, and then when they need more, they request more, they do it. What the HHS and the Biden administration is now doing is they're saying that all of the reduced amount will go to the state, and we're responsible not only for sourcing our sites, which we're happy to do, but any infusion center, any provider, any hospital will have to come through the state. And to just spring this on us starting next week, we're going to have to do that. There's going to be a huge disruption, and patients are going to suffer as a result of this. All right, so there's two things going on here. Not only did they slash the availability of this antibiotic to the people of Florida, they now said hospitals directly cannot get access to it. They must come through the state. And, of course, what DeSantis is saying, you just threw that in our laps, and now we have to figure out how to distribute what is now 50%. So what he's really trying to do is screw the state, screw the governors, and in doing so... Joe Biden's going to kill people. Joe Biden's going to kill people the way Adam, the way he killed people in Afghanistan and elsewhere. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Have you ever heard of a talking hemorrhoid, Mr. Producer? A talking hemorrhoid, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there is a talking hemorrhoid. His name is Jim Acosta on CNN, on the Constipated News Network. Jim Acosta is a talking hemorrhoid. And he's trashing President Trump today. That's all these talking hemorrhoid knows how to do. Then I'm sure he gets paid a lot, this talking hemorrhoid. But he needs to be lanced from the media. But he'll never be lanced from the media. They like their talking hemorrhoid. Just saying. Just saying. Don't forget I'll be on Hannity in about a half hour. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, near the top of the hour, on the Fox News Channel. Please don't forget to look at Chapter 7 of American Marxism. It's time to act, folks. Please. If you don't have your copy, it's still there at Amazon.com. It'll be at Costco this weekend, where you shop. Uh, Right now, as a matter of fact, Walmart's done a fantastic job. Barnes & Noble. We want to thank Sam's Club and BJ's. Books a Million. Uh oh, who the hell did I forget? Target. They've done a great job too. All the major retailers are fully supplied, and uh, the book is discounted everywhere. When a book is this hot, that's what they do. But if you haven't acquired your copy, please get it. Read Chapter 7. Those of you who have it in book form or audio form or ebook form, go to Chapter 7 because it's time to act. September 27th, the Democrats are back, and they intend to destroy your lifestyle, destroy your property rights, steal a ton of your money, regulate you into oblivion. They want to know what you're doing at your bank. 
any transaction of $600 or more, whether you receive it or spend it, they intend to investigate it. They want to massively increase the size of the IRS from 75,000 employees to 125,000 employees, most of them to audit you. They want to increase the IRS budget from $12 billion to $20 billion. That's because the IRS is so good. Ask the Tea Party groups. Ask people who've been abused by the IRS. So this is a, a massive expansion of the police state. And by police state, I don't mean police officers. I mean the bureaucracy, the enforcement by the bureaucracy. And of course, they're doing it in the name of the people, and they're justifying it by going after the rich. But they're coming after you. They're coming after you, the middle class. That's what they always do. They pretend they support you while they attack you. And so it's very, very important to begin the process. Please go to Chapter 7 now. Read Chapter 7. Spread the word. It's time to be activists, even if it's just a little bit. If you don't have a copy of American Marxism, perfect time to get it. You want to expand the, you know, the reach of this movement. You can give copies to friends and family, to neighbors, or encourage them to get it too. It's very, very important. We've got to really get get moving on this because they're back. What's today? Constitution Day the 17th. And they intend to act 10 days from now. They're going to give amnesty to tens of millions. This is in the bill. They're going to nationalize our electoral system and turn the whole country into California. They want to give everybody freebies, which of course means those of us who pay taxes will be paying a lot more taxes. They want to massively increase the sale of farms and ranches and homes. They want to take a lot of inheritance away from your children and grandchildren. So you can give your money to strangers or illegal aliens or God knows what. American Marxism covers it all. It's not a book about me. It's a book about us in this country. What we're up against. And chapter 7 is the pushback chapter. We choose liberty. The border. Laura Jarrett. A host on CNN today. Cut 17. Go. And nearly 10,000 migrants who arrived at the southern U.S. border in Texas in just the last 48 hours. Look at this. They're living under a bridge this morning. And thousands more are expected to arrive in the coming days. One local sheriff worries federal and local authorities are reaching a breaking point, and a congressman from Del Rio, Texas, calls it a humanitarian crisis on steroids. We hear nothing from Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Isn't it amazing? We hear nothing from Nancy Pelosi. Crazy nutjob Nancy. We hear nothing from the endless davening Chuck Schumer. Nothing. But they care about people of color. They really do. Just ask them. We hear from idiots like Michael Steele, the former head of the RNC, who was sold out to, the, to MSNBC. What a clown he's become. Maybe he was always a clown. Who knows? Now, I have a clip here from the human... Well, should I say it or not? Yes. Hemorrhoid. The talking hemorrhoid, Jim Acosta. But I choose not to play it. I'd rather hear from regular Americans rather than that hemorrhoid. Let's see. Steve, Cincinnati, Ohio. How are you listening to us, Steve? Um, XM, Sirius XM. All right, sir. Thank you. Go right ahead. Hey, um, your opening monologue, um, 
you were talking about the uh, politically vengeful act of Biden going after the monoclonal drugs and, and changing the distribution. And what leaped to my mind was I remember when the Love Gov in New York, the Emmy Award winning Love Gov, was uh-huh. talking about the. Excuse me, we call him Hands, but go right ahead. Yeah, right. Ventilators, hospital beds, we didn't have enough. And Donald Trump stepped up. He. He outfit the Javits Center with the hospital beds. He brought a hospital ship there. He twisted arms of industry to build ventilators and solve that problem immediately. And he didn't care whether there was a D or an R next to the name of the person that was requesting it. And uh, and it's just a total uh, contrast in leadership. You know what? That is a what- great point. He got all of this stuff to New York, to California, to Michigan, to Illinois to New Jersey, and he wanted to help the governors. He wanted to help the citizens there. He didn't care about the party. You're exactly right. And look at this thug Biden. Look at this thug Biden. Isn't it amazing? That is a brilliant point, Steve. And hence, go ahead. It's just mind-blowing the difference in the leadership style. You're absolutely right. All right, my friend, don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. There's been delays on the calls, folks. You can all hear it. And I have explained this to, uh, to the experts that be, and I get a long email with 14 different things they have to do. I don't care how many things they need to do. It's time to fix it. Enough is enough. Because it hurts the quality of the programming. It's difficult for the audience to talk to me and me to talk to the audience. Understand that I know it, and I have asked that it get fixed. And uh, we're working on it, we're working on it, but it's still not fixed. All right, let's continue. Let us go to Dan Lockport, Illinois, the Mark Levin app. Dan, how are you? Great, and good evening to you, Mark. Thank you. Um, I got a hypothetical question for you. There's no way Wear I a neck brace. that we, <laughs> we're not as divided as... <laughs> Is I, I don't believe we're as divided as we think we are as, as people, as the middle, especially the middle class in this country. After listening to Larry Cutler last night when he was on there and he was talking about the $600 um, monitoring transactions of $600 or more, mm-hmm. it just struck me that there's no way that we are that divided. And as a hypothetical question, I would love to have... Uh, let me, let me and, first deal with your first point. I think we are very, very divided. I don't think we were. I think we are now, due to the media and the Democrat Party and certain thugs in the intelligence agencies and FBI and elsewhere who would not accept the result of an election five years ago. And they, they lied, they cheated, they committed acts of criminality, they used propaganda and so forth in order to try and destroy that presidency and destroy the people who supported uh, Donald Trump. And they have devoured so many of our institutions. What we're hoping for is that there's enough people left who may not identify as Republicans or conservatives who will at least join us in protecting this country and protecting liberty. If that's your point, I agree with that. But now we're in a battle, a battle we need to win. Go right ahead. Oh, I'm out of time. Dan. Don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism, Mr. Call Screener. Get Dan's number. We're going to call him on Monday when we take calls, and we're going to bring Dan in, okay? I'll be right back. 
Smart Lupin. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be on Hannity in about 10 minutes. So I hope you'll check us out at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I also hope, with the weekend coming, starting tonight, that you'll acquire your copies of American Marxism. If you're in a position to do so, and many of you are not, I get it. Acquire copies to give to family, friends, and others who need to be persuaded, maybe can be persuaded, to help us save the country. Those of you who have the book, I would ask that you look at chapter 7. Maybe you've read it already. Look at chapter 7. The Democrats are coming back to town very, very soon. And they have intentions. And their intentions are very bad. If you love your country, if you love your lifestyle, if you believe in opportunity, if you believe in our capitalist system, if you believe in representative government and separation of powers and all those things, Please get your copy of American Marxism. Every Friday, in honor of you. Here we go.
Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR it. I know you're going to really like this show. Also, please get your copy of American Marxism. This is the big push this week. The Democrats are coming back to town. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, little Barney. I will see you on Hannity right now. Get onto the Fox News channel real fast. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. 